make sure everyone can hear me. Uh, make sure I pulled, pulled us up live. I did. Okay, good. Whew, good deal. All right. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Tops and the Top Star Wars Card Trader app. Tops has been doing collecting cards since 1950. And the Star Wars Card Trader app brings the entire galaxy of Star Wars to the palm of your hand. It's available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. Download Start Trading with your friends now and rediscover Tops and rediscover the joy of collecting. That's One Take Glosson. Let's get into Geek Out Loud. This episode of Geek Out Loud, it's past the corn for November, and we're also going into Thor Ragnarok. It's myself, it's my brother from another mother, it's you, the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. It's Geek Out Loud. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. And we are here to geek out about the movies of November, but particularly a couple of movies and some other events that are going on. I'm not doing this by myself. I have with me, of course, a man who you all know and love, a man who goes to cons these days just to have you shout at him, hey, pass the corn. Of course, I'm talking about my brother, from another mother, ladies and gentlemen, it's Eris Chernevice. What's up, Eris? I named the dog Indiana. I named the dog. We, the dog's name was Indiana. You are named of the dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank God! It's a fake. Follow me, Indy. I know the way. <laughs> Lost in his own museum. <laughs> What's up, my brother? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Doing I got. Well. I got to tell you, right out of the gate, we um, we started uh, we 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 finished uh, Rebel Yell earlier this week, and immediately afterwards, I went ahead and sat down and watched the two episodes that I was behind on, and um, and I'm really looking forward to getting to some Rebel Yell later on this week. Well, you got to watch talk about those things. Uh, did you watch Monday nights? Oh yet? yeah, yeah. I'm completely yeah. caught up. 
Well, we're doing all three tomorrow night. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. And looking forward to this episode, which is, of course, brought to you by all the usual things. The Amazon links, the Entertainment Earth links, the uh, Think Geek links, the Fandango links. And I want you to stay tuned in this episode because I've got five, one, two, three, four, five Fandango gift cards to give away. And we're going to tell you... Fandango! That's right. We're going to tell you how you can win these uh later on in the show so stay tuned with us these are not just like five dollar gift cards these are 25 dollar gift cards to fandango so uh that's great that'll pay for a 3d movie that's right so we'll be giving them out uh and let you know how you can win one later on in the show uh i just thought about this we'll probably give one away instantly uh to someone in the chat later on so listening i don't think i can handle that steve oh okay (laughs) that's too much well, excitement for uh, Wednesday hey, night. Hey, look, listening live—that that's your—it's your benefit. That's you get benefits there. So, where you just know, we also are brought to you uh, by the by everyone who supports us directly over at Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GeekOutLoud. Now we have a special Patreon supporter for this episode that I want to bring up, um, and uh, she doesn't know that we're bringing her up, but I think it's worth mentioning uh this one has a uh, a birthday later this month turning 16 years old her name is arden she i know her as the amen corner on shows like rock out loud and the big honking show she's always kind of in the background hollering her uh she is she is yet to receive an ability but she will have it by her birthday and uh, so we want to give a very special birthday shout out coming up later this month and just about 10 days from now uh to arden and say happy birthday to you, and thank you and your family for your support of the Goliverse through Patreon at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. And uh, look, check out geekoutonline.com, and keep going there, because by your birthday, you will have a special um, a special superpower, all your own. That's the Amen Corner. It's Arden, our featured supporter this episode on Geek Out Loud, this episode of Pass the Corn. So... Um, there, there are all the obligations we have to fulfill right now. Stay tuned for that giveaway. It's coming and we'll tell you how you can do that. And, uh, on the next episode, we'll be giving these things away. Um, we'll take <clears throat> caller 1000. That's right. We're going to take caller 15 here on the, uh, on the old show. Oh, we should do that. That's how we should do it. Erish with the live folks. We should do like caller nine. Um, but we won't. Uh, so, because I don't know that I have the means to actually handle the counting of all that stuff. Um, well, Erish, real quickly before we get into all the all the November past the corn movies and stuff, and, and I do mean really quickly, there's been a lot of information that's come out um, about several things over the past week or two since you and I last talked. Really, and we we didn't really bring this up on Rebel Yell, which would have been probably the perfect time to do it. But with this whole new Disney streaming service and everything, Disney has announced through a conference call with Bob Iger that Ryan Johnson has now been tapped to do a whole, I, I guess, a Star Wars story standalone trilogy. Uh, well, that's not that's not related to the, the Disney streaming. Okay, see, everything I've read, I assumed it was going to be... No, the Star Wars live-action right. series was announced as okay. part of the Bob Oker call. So the trilogy is going to theaters? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Wow, I thought it was going to be exclusive... 
uh, content like a movie, like almost like Netflix has some movies that are just for Netflix. On, on no, the- no, no. I think that I, look, everything that's coming out of everything that we're hearing about Last Jedi is that Ryan Johnson hit a grand slam. Well, that's stuff. what I said to someone. I said, obviously, he's played ball with, um, and with the powers that be. I think that Lucasfilm and Ryan both saw the opportunity for him to do a trilogy of his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his own story. Uh, we have no idea what that story might be yet. But, you know, I think that this... And they haven't announced any dates for it yet either. So my guess is that it will probably... The first part of the trilogy will probably release after episode nine. Yeah, I would think so. And that's not necessarily to hint that it's going to be episodes 10 through 12. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's what it's going to be. And again, this is just solely my speculation yeah i know absolutely nothing about this right um but i just think it's going to be instead of doing another you know anthology or standalone movie it's Mm -hmm. like okay we're going to do this trilogy right uh i'm calling the obi-wan trilogy that everyone's been hollering for okay i would love to see that yeah I don't know that that's going to be what he's going to do, though, because the one thing they did say was that it was going to be a Star Wars that we had never seen before. Oh, okay. Now. I'm still calling the Obi-Wan trilogy. And I think that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I I have some theories, but I'm going to keep them closer to my chest. Oh, okay. All right. Well, look at you putting them close to the chest. Do you think this live action is going to be the 150 scripts they have sitting on a shelf somewhere at Lucasfilm? Possibly. The the now the, the live action series is is streaming. You know, definitely for the Disney streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I would guess that it's going to be probably bounty hunter related yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um, I, everyone, I, everyone thinks they want this underworld stuff. And um, I don't know. I don't know if they do or not. To be I honest think with they, you. I would not be surprised if the live action is is going to be similar to what we're seeing of the Marvel TV series, whether it's like Agents of Shield or the Netflix series. Mm-hmm. You know, you compare those to the movies, right? Like, I think that that's sort of what we'll get out of Star Wars. <clears throat> okay, is the the Marvel TV series equivalent? Right. Well, I would hope that they do better than Agents of Shield in their storytelling. Um, I got to say I'm really excited for the new season of Agents I, of Shield. Hey, they did a great job last season. That was yeah. last season was the first season of this show that I would confidently say was absolutely solid from from start to finish. I actually think the last two seasons seasons have been really good. The um you know the whole Hydra embedded within Shield thing wound mm-hmm. up being a great thing for the show. Yeah, to an extent, but it got a little old to me. Um, they what what they figured out was let's do half a season. Yes, and on with this one focus, and then the other half, this one focus, mm-hmm. and, and and maybe bring them back together. And that's when it really started to to work well for them. Yep. Um, the Marvel but movie the trailer for this new season, which I've, starts, I've I think, uh, two weeks from this Friday, December first. Okay, they're in space. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. And it looks like the Kree might be involved, or at one point I thought it looked like there might be a, some Ravagers in there. Oh, wow. Wow. Um, 
it just it looked really cool. Well, here's it the looked, thing. It looked different, and you know, it looked like it looked fun. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing, and and with that, and and this is one of the things they've done well in the past. I remember um, the uh, during the first season, I guess, um, when it ended, like it ended with the chase. Um, in Winter Soldier with Nick Fury's chase in Winter Soldier, you know, mm-hmm. kind of ended on a on that little bit of a cliffhanger. This could very well roll us into from a certain angle into Infinity War because Infinity War comes out in yeah. April. So, you know, they could be getting set for that and 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 planting their feet for that. I don't. I mean, you, you never know. Really cool. It, it would, would be, be cool. smart, you know. Yeah. Uh, of course, the the Inhumans has been gotten very mixed reviews as to how, what's oh, going on there. No, there's no mixed reviews. It was utter garbage. <laughs> I haven't watched any I, of I'm it. The, I'm the idiot that watched the entire thing. Oh, yeah, so it wasn't oh, good, it huh? Was, it was garbage. Hmm. I need to check so, it out. So, so bad. Well, and the Netflix shows have been hit and miss. You know, they, yeah, getting a new one on Friday. The old Punisher. Uh, Punisher hits on Friday. Yeah, how you how you feeling about that? I'm going to watch it. Of course, I will yeah, too. I'm there for it. I've yeah. watched all of them. Yeah, I have to. I have to, and and I'm. I feel like that the. I feel like they need to take a page out of Stranger Things book and do some shorter seasons than what they've done, um, and, and yes. tighten up the storytelling a little bit because th- that's one of the that's one of the the real strengths I think of Stranger Things, both one and two, is the storytelling is tight and and it and it and and you never feel like there's much downtime. Um, in the season, whereas with Marvel, you get to the like the fourth, fifth episode it of these shows, and, it's, the and it tends yeah. to bog down a little bit, and before it ramps back up toward the end of the season. So, um, now, Defenders was was a shorter season, and yes. I felt like it definitely helped. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. That, but yeah, all the other series have all gotten bogged down in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Um, speaking of Stranger Things, we haven't really talked Stranger Things to you and I. And I did a whole. I've got. I've. I, I, I'm debating on you, whether or not to devote eight episodes to Stranger Things too or not. <laughs> uh, you haven't devoted eight episodes to the new season already. Not yet. No. <laughs> hadn't had time, brother. Hadn't had time. I, I think you should only devote seven episodes to it. Oh, really? Yeah, because you know, skip that one episode that nobody liked. Was there an episode that nobody liked? Oh yeah, the eleven episode. Shut your mouth. Where she yeah, went like the, to the eleven episode is by far like everybody's least favorite. Where she goes and meets her sister and stuff. Yeah. Oh please, that was good stuff. It was like eleven oh, being was... tempted by the dark side. Oh, it was horrible. No, I disagree. I think it was needed for her character. I think. <laughs> I think it's it... just. It was like a really bad eighties comic book, which was fantastic, which was glorious. I completely disagree with you well i well we're just gonna have to disagree on this because i really liked what it did because i'm sitting there rooting for 11 to not kill somebody i'm rooting for her to to show some mercy to do and 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 when she when she chooses to go home oh my gosh it just gave it gave way to that ba entrance of hers yes yes that's the only good thing that came out of that episode was her showing up at the door at will's house yes oh my gosh so good. I love Stranger Things, and uh, yeah. and I look. I I did not have a problem with that episode at all. I, I totally saw what they were doing, and and really like wow. like the direction they took because they did a they did a great thing in this season where they really brought everybody to the brink 
And, 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 and spoiler alert, everybody once, well, I won't spoil it, but once the one character dies that no one wanted to see die, you know, that they made us fall in love with all season long, you know, and it's like, Oh, well, anything can happen. And you really kind of felt like, how are they going to get out of this? And then it had the exorcist vibe with what was going on with Will. And it was just, I loved it. I loved every bit of it. And then when she shows up, it's like, Oh God, thank God everything's going to be okay. But then, then I'm sitting there worried about her at the end when she's like giving her all she's got. And I'm like, Oh, please don't No, I'm not going to watch 11 die. Please don't let 11 die. And, <laughs> and there you I, go. Um, I, 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 I want to say stuff, but I don't want to spoil. Well, um, light I gotta say, I gotta say that. Look, overall, I I, I was very happy with it. The mm-hmm. only reason I'm not like through the moon about it is because I still think season one is better. Okay, um, I I so I'm not I'm not through the moon because I'm comparing it to season one. I agree with you. Um, I agree with it you took, that it's too long to get the band back together for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm just and and the other thing that really bothered me, in particular, in particular with Hopper, a character that I absolutely loved in mm-hmm. the first season, he did a lot of really dumb stuff in the second season, some really stupid stuff that really, as the season was going on, was really bugging me. Um, what you talking about, Eric? Uh, him and L. I thought was really stupid. Uh, not practical. I understand why he was doing it, but he's got to be smart enough to realize that it's not going to last forever. Right. And at some point, what's going to happen happened. Right. But you I know, also I just felt that, and and I get the whole thing with him losing his daughter and mm-hmm. like, you know, all of that. But still, you know, with everything that that they the entire group went through in the first season he could have reached out and brought others in on that. Um, yeah, but I, and it would help stabilize the situation. Yeah. I, I want to say, number one, I agree with you. I think the first season was better. I've seen a lot of people, I've only seen the headlines of articles. It's like, here's why season two is better than season one and blah, blah, blah. And I disagree with that. I think season one is better. I enjoy it more. Um, I, I Season two was a little iffy to me from the get-go because of how much bigger it was in scope. And I really like kind of the small, almost like we're limited by an 80s style budget to have to do this, um, that they did. With the Hopper thing, I like the fact that he was trying to do something that was way out of his purview to do by himself. Because to me, that spoke to that character and his independent nature and the fact that there's still the fear there of what happened should they find out. And he, you know, he can only rely on himself. And, um, and then, of course, there is that angle with the child and that sort of thing with his child that he lost. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think you had to do that to set up what would, was going to go down because it was inevitable that she would get frustrated and that he could only hold his temper so long in that situation. So I, I, you know, Hopper's that flawed character. I think that we all love because he's flawed without being a bad person. A lot of times people take flawed characters and that makes them almost a villain. Um, the other thing is. Dude, don't ever go down on the tunnel by yourself. No, don't ever do that. Come on. You're smarter than that. (laughs) Yeah, that is one thing. Hopper, you're better than that, man. Come on. Come on. You're better than that, Hopper. (laughs) 
that just really irked me. I'm like, yeah. come on, dude, yeah. no. Yeah. Um, but I gotta say, my favorite scene was the second to last episode after after um you know L shows up mm-hmm. and then Mike like freaks out on Hopper. Yes, yes. I loved that scene. Yeah. You you rarely see a scene like that, in particular with between a child and adult mm-hmm. on TV. Oh sure, yeah. You know, and it's just such a such an amazing, powerful scene, and you completely understood both of their points of mm-hmm. view. I, I just I loved it, and I then agree. my second favorite was I loved the snowball. Yes, everyone loved the yeah. snowball. Oh, uh, that was just magic. Everyone me. loved the snowball. They almost caused me to like Nancy in season two. <laughs> almost. I did at the end. Yeah, she you know, was really. I was dancing with Dustin. I was like, all right. Yeah. But Steve is still. I'm Team Steve all the way. Well, uh, I always like to hear when people are Team Steve. I, I hated Steve in season one. I was never going to be on the Steve train, mainly because of oh, that. Oh, but come on, you came around to Steve at the I end. Com- no, not me. Not mainly because of that stupid hair. And oh no! See, I came around to Steve at the end. I'm like, all right, you're not the bad guy that I thought you right. were. Right, and then that sweater that he wore, unironically, at the very end of season yeah. one. But uh-huh. um, but no, but in this season, I completely, I'm on team Steve, and I'm so glad because now I now extend the invitation to him to come to Steve Con when Steve Con should happen. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I dug it, I dug it, and we should have a more. A spoiler-free conversation about it, or a spoiler-filled so, conversation. Uh, uh, spoiler-filled, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant sure. to say. Well, for now, Eric, why don't we pass some corn, man? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's pass do the it. corn. Cool. All right, Eric, I'm going to turn my snark meter up for some of this to 11 to kind of get through some of these things so we can get yeah, on. Yeah, because, look, we want to talk about Thor Ragnarok. Right. You guys want to listen to us talk about Thor Ragnarok, so we're just going to speed through these November movies. That's right. Already in uh, theaters and has opened a Bad Mom's Christmas. It's, well, it's Thor Ragnarok. Oh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok. Well, we mentioned it, but we're coming. It's coming down the line. We'll talk about that at the end. Uh, a Bad Mom's Christmas Pass, Erish? I, I, I want to see it. I'll see okay. it on DVD or on demand. I like the first one. I like mm-hmm. Bad Moms. I thought it was fun. Okay. I got I got a big old crush on uh, Catherine Hahn. I think she's fantastic. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I just not, it's not on my radar. Uh, Daddy's Home 2. Will Ferrell, Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, John Lithgow. John Cena. John Cena. Exactly. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, I will. This is not one I'll go to the movies to see, but this is one I'll probably rent and watch again. I love the first oh, one. Most the first definitely. one was hilarious. Yeah, really dug it. Um, yeah, I just love that scene in the trailer where they're looking in the mirror, and Will Ferrell's like, "That's the only guy that's going to ruin this for you," and it's Will Ferrell, some yeah. reflection <laughs> in it. And Wahlberg's like, "All I see is you." So then they switch switch sides, and he's like, "Dude, all I still see is you." I just I love that. <laughs> Um, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, and he's also in it. Uh, this is a cast that should, it, with this cast, I feel like this movie should have 
some better reviews than what I've seen it getting. But Johnny Depp, Michelle Pfeiffer, Daisy Ridley, our beloved Ray, uh, Judy Dench, oh, Dame Judy Dench, Michael Pena is in this, Penelope Cruz, William Defoe, Josh Gad. Uh, Derek this... Jacoby, you skipped over I'm sorry. Derek Jacoby. Oh, did I? I'm sorry, Derek Jacoby. Who is Derek He's Jacoby? He's awesome. I He's skipped. in all of Kenneth Branagh's movies. Okay. Um, no Shakespearean dude. <clears throat> and uh, this, of course, an adaptation of Agatha Christie's novel. Um, this is one, I, if it's on, I'll probably end up watching it. I, I wasn't going to seek this out of the theater, even with this cast. Yeah. So, but I have heard that it's, it, it's underwhelming to some people. I think the best thing that came out of this was Josh Gad trying to get Daisy Ridley to admit who Ray's parents were. Agreed. Agreed. Here's one I know you've been looking forward to. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, this is one that I'm really excited to see. This is from the same uh, director that did uh, In Bruges mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago with Colin Farrell, um, which was a fantastic movie, good dark comedy. This is another dark comedy. Um, frustrated with the lack of progress by the local police and finding those responsible for the brutal murder of her daughter, a mother, Frances McDormand, installs three controversial billboards on the edge of town to goad the department into action. Um, Features Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, Peter Dinklage, John Hawks, Abby Cornish. Um, The trailer just cracks me up. Uh, It's definitely a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. Frances McDormand, I think, is... I think she's definitely got an Oscar nomination coming for this. I mean, her the reviews of her in this movie have been spectacular. Um, she's not necessarily a likable character. Like, she's just... Uh, she's a mean cur of a woman, it looks like. But there's something about this that just, like, really screams out to me. Um, this could be, it's, it's open in some areas already. And I think that they're going to platform release this. So it'll kind of slowly roll out into more and more markets. But I think that in four or five weeks, when all the best of lists start coming out and the award nominations start coming out and stuff, this could be one of those movies that's on a lot of those lists. Okay. Uh, I certainly think for golden globes, I could see this getting, because they do the comedy and drama separate categories, I could see this doing really well in the comedy categories, mm-hmm. possibly winning, <clears throat> her possibly winning. I just think that this is a movie we're going to start to hear a lot more about Yeah, well, as uh, we get closer to the end of the year. Uh, you have me at Woody Harrelson and Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I it, mean, look, I, you know, I put the link for you in the Google Doc. Definitely, yeah. it, Unfortunately, it's not suitable because the language to right. play here, but yeah, I've, I've seen the trailer. It looks real. It looks good. Yeah. Google the trailer if you haven't seen it. And this is one to uh, keep an eye open for. And what a title, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And if you haven't seen in Bruges, definitely look that up and give that a, a, a look. It's really good. Great cast in it. Fantastic movie. Um, coming Friday, November 17th, just around the corner. Uh, the remake of Mask, starring Cher Wonder. <laughs> is that wrong? Did I, is that not right? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a little insensitive. I'm there, sorry. So. Oh, I'm sorry. All right. Well, it's about a boy with a facial deformity that starts the fifth grade at a mainstream school. Julia Roberts plays his mother. Owen Wilson plays his father. And um, and it's a feel-good movie about not learning learning not to judge a book by its cover. 
and look, it's Thanksgiving holiday coming up. Yeah. You know, families are together. People want something that you can go see with the whole family and that will make you feel good. And I think this is, I think Wonder is one of those. Yeah. It's, it looks like a real feel good movie, like one of those that'll make you cry, which is probably why I won't watch it. Um, also coming on the 17th, the Justice League. Yeah, this is one that's going to make me cry too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But for a completely different reason. Oh, someone else has turned a snark meter up to eleven. I see. Um, I don't, dude. I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I, I, they have. I was, but I've started to read review headlines and oh, stuff. Really? And, yeah. Really, because I saw the one review headline I saw was that it was really good, and that there was something that was done really perfectly. So, I don't know. The sound, the the score is is by Danny Elfman is actually superb. Um, and, and Elfman a, a couple of months back, maybe not, maybe, maybe six weeks or so back. I don't know. feels like a couple of months had mentioned that he was using John Williams, Superman score and that he was using the Batman theme. And they're like, what, nice. what Batman theme? He's like the, the Batman theme. <laughs> and so yeah, his Batman theme and, and peppered throughout the score is a lot of the Batman theme and the use of the Superman theme is there. And there's one moment where it kind of swells and you just kind of, Imagine what may be happening in your mind, and you just really cheer for it. It's a really good score by Come Danny Elfman. They're Elton. not hiding them. I mean, they they're parading Henry Cavill out with all the other actors on the press tour. Sure, but what I'm saying is, is like the the actual event of the moment when it happened. Yeah. Like you just kind of imagine what's actually being done in that moment. Um, I'm I'm anxious to see it. I I really. They may burn me on this one, buddy, but I, you know. I, I Look, I'm hoping for the best. I mm-hmm. want nothing more than DC to, to make movies that I love as much as the Marvel movies. Agreed. 100% agreed. Um, but, I mean, one of the reviews I read said that this was like an Instagram photo where Snyder took the original picture and then Whedon put a filter on top of it. Mm. Um, another one said that it's like a great, pilot for a tv series because it just sets everything up to come Hmm. and i'm like but that's not what i want like it all should have been set up going into this right well i do listen i do think the pacing leading into the justice league film was done poorly as far as the way they rolled out these different heroes and and that sort of thing um uh but you know, to me, what's done is done. Obviously, the the main villain being Steppenwolf is only the precursor to Darkseid at some point. Yeah. Um, but I'm telling you, I feel like they should have been. I said it way back when Avengers hit theaters, and and I was talking about wanting to see a Justice League movie. That DC should have just ripped off the Marvel way of doing it, and you know, and 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 take the criticism for doing the Marvel style of a rollout of these heroes. But then just do these heroes all justice, the way that they did Wonder Woman justice, you know? Yeah. And and then bring or, them you know, together. You could have done, done Batman versus Superman. Then you could have done a middle movie that was like, you know, Batman and Flash or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have done one or two of those, like, two or three character team-ups. That yeah, then done led like into, a Brave and the Bold kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. then led into Justice League where mm-hmm. you got to get the whole band together. Right. And and have and go ahead and establish some relationships with these people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, but you know, at this point, you know, if if the whole goal of this is to get the dark side, we're like ten years away from that. That's true. But you think about, 
you think about 2000, gee whiz, 12, when Avengers came out, you know, and Thanos turns to the camera and smiles, you know, it's taken us six years to get there. Yeah, but there's been like 12 movies in between those six years. We've had plenty of other stories. I'm saying it's going to take us like 10 years to get there because there's Wonder Woman 2 and Aquaman coming up, and then that's it. But they got a Flash movie coming. And they keep saying that, but I don't think there's still a director on the Flash movie. It's been in pre-production chaos. I thought, okay, so, so Lord and Miller didn't go back to Flash. I don't know that they did, did okay. they? I thought that was where they were. I, I mean, thought they, they were headed back it, to Flash. They left it to go do Star Wars. Right. Then somebody else came on and they left. Then I think somebody else came on and they left. Then when Lord Miller got fired from Star Wars, it was like, well, maybe they'll go back to Flash. Did that actually happen? Like, I just feel like this Flash movie may never happen. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, and I still say what they're... What, they're what... fast-tracking Wonder Woman because it made a gajillion dollars. So mm-hmm. they... They just announced this week that it's been bumped up like another six months from what they previously announced. But that's still not until, I think, 2019. Is Patty Jenkins attached? Yes. Then I trust it completely. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're not going to do it without her. It would have been bedlam. Um, I still say that Warner Brothers needs to just, just tighten up and decide they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they're going to do it across... No more Crisis. Look. No more Crisis. Enough with all the Crisis stuff. When have, you had, when have we had a Crisis? It's like the comics keep going back Well, to sure, it. the crisis, the comics do. Ridiculous Batman Knights thing, or metal or whatever, is attached to Crisis. It's like enough but look, already. But look, Crisis on Infinite Earths is the thing. And here's my idea. You, the we've already established in the DC television shows alternate dimensions and alternate realities. So, you start bringing all this mess together, and you do it across all platforms. You do it across your television shows, and then you even you know in the digital age, you get a shot of old George Reeves in there at one point. You know he's old old Superman. You get Tom Welling to come on board. You get, you know, just here and there, just for ah, I think it'd be amazing. It'd make millions of dollars. Make billions of dollars. At least ten. At least ten dollars. Cause I'd buy a ticket. Yeah. Um Wednesday, November twenty second, Pixar is throwing their hat into the Thanksgiving ring with Coco. And uh I know Teresa's really looking forward to this. As as am I after one of the more extended trailers that I saw. It looks really fun and really interesting from Pixar. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm still on the fence as to whether I'm going to see it or not. Yeah. Well, I never go see children's movies until they're. I don't see children's movies until they're available on, on uh, home video. It was directed by uh, the guy who directed Toy Story Three, so that's got me really interested. Yeah. Well, he wants to just punch me in the gut again. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. The one I'm really looking forward to is Darkest Hour. Uh, it's a biopic or biopic about Winston Churchill as portrayed by Gary Oldman. And good night. Gary Oldman just disappears into the role, as he does with everything that he does. Um, He just disappears into the the role of Winston Churchill. And uh, and so this is all about him becoming prime minister and then, of course, leading into um, 
into how he's going to handle uh, the rising threat of, of Nazi Germany. And, um, and, and all of his blusters on display and these things, you were telling me about the, you know, the line in the trailer where he's like, don't interrupt me while I'm trying to interrupt you. And, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, Churchill's good, ca- good cast on this one too, with Lily James, Ben Mendelsohn, director Krennic, uh-huh. and, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. What if Winston Churchill tells Ben Mendelsohn not to choke on his aspirations? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Uh, here's one I'm not familiar with, but it's old Denzel, Roman J. Israel Esquire. Yes, uh, Denzel stars as a driven, idealistic defense attorney whose life is upended when a turbulent series of events challenge the activism that has defined his career. Yeah, you can't ignore a Denzel Washington drama at this time of year because it's just, you know, screaming... Oscar nomination, you know, Fences last year came out about the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it looks interesting. Indeed. It looks good. I like these kind of I like these kind of movies. And look, Denzel is fantastic and everything. Well, sure he is. He's Denzel for crying out loud. Yeah. He's he's the he's the old speech deliverer. For goodness sakes, um, King Kong's got nothing on him. You better believe. King, no, not a not a thing. Not a thing. Um, Eric, real quick before we get into the anniversary movies. Is it time to, for the prize? Well, no. It's it's time to talk about Tops again. Okay. Uh, tops. He's talking about Tops. Well, yeah. Well, Tops is the oh, best, man. They're the, they are the name in, in collectible card trading. They've been doing it since 1950 when they first put baseball cards in with their bubble gum. Well, there's no more gum, but there's tons of cards. Everything from their flagship baseball collection... Uh, to the Journey to the Last Jedi collection, which is out in stores and hobby shops now. And coming in December will be the official Last Jedi trading card set. Now, in these physical trading card set, the things to look for are uh, not only their stickers and other subsets that go along with your complete set and your base parallel colors and everything, but you can chase sketch cards and autograph cards and the very rare double and triple autograph cards with stars from the films. And I'm not talking about just like someone who's in the background uh, there's some there's some of the main stars that are out there, uh, you know, available uh, as chase cards here in these in these packs. It's tops. They're doing it upright. They've done it upright for over 60 years now, and uh, and they're going to continue to do so. And don't forget about the Star Wars Card Trader app. Now, this is an app that you can get on Apple's App Store or Google Play for your iOS or Android device of your choice. You can trade. And, uh, and and card trade and buy cards, trade for people all over the world. There are thousands of cards in the collection on the Star Wars Card Trader app, and they have different packs, uh, daily packs, daily giveaways, uh, free coins every day to buy packs with. Build your collection, show it off to your friends. It's the Star Wars Galaxy in the palm of your hand. Check out Star Wars Card Trader app now. And uh, you can trade. I know Teresa's Ice Cold Penguin on there. And uh, she's looking for trades. She's chasing the fun. I forget which one it is she's chasing, but she's chasing some. So so, uh, add her as a friend and and help her out and uh, help each other out. It's always fun to trade with friends when you're doing the trading card thing. And uh, it's easy to do on the Star Wars Card Trader app. So check it out. And we appreciate Tops and their support of the Goliverse. Oh, that was a bad transition. All right. Um, Anniversary movies this month, Erish. 
yep. 40 years ago. Do, 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 do. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm. Let's build a mountain of mashed potatoes. I still love this movie. It's a so good... good. It, it holds up, I think, all There's these years so later. so much cool... I, I, I love, 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 love early Spielberg. Yes. Yeah, he was... Uh, you can see, especially in those earlier movies, just what a groundbreaking filmmaker he was uh, in that time. And, and, um, and two, there's, it's so interesting to hear him talk about this because uh, he talks about the fact that he might not have had dude go off with those aliens um, if he would made mm. this later on in life. That he this, had to go off with them. He, somebody did. <laughs> they weren't leaving empty-handed. I, uh, I like to imagine they ate him. I've <laughs> actually been to Devil's Monument. Oh, yeah? Did you go watch yeah. Close Encounters there? No, no. Mm. Just uh, we're doing a cross-country road trip, and I'm like, we got to drive by there. Mm. So got a picture with it in the background. And I dressed as the dude who, uh, you know, looked out his car window and got sunburned on half his face for, uh, for a party once. Oh, nice. Nice. Nobody knew what I was. They just thought I was some dumb redneck or whatever right um which made it even better there you go i there's some scary imagery in the close encounters too as well like uh little boy getting sucked out the door oh yeah the the whole yeah it's just some it's some good stuff um 30 years ago in november of 1987 man i love this movie the running man starring arnold what a over-the-top great piece of 80s (laughs) action movie man gosh i love it so much it's so bad i mean you watch it now and it's just so bad but like the this is you know back when they decided that they had to start feeding arnold like the lines after he kills everybody Mm -hmm. and stuff yeah well apparently there's a really interesting story behind the making of this movie as far as like it was originally meant to be something completely different and um, uh, and I don't know. It, it's weird, but then the screenwriter who wrote it is the one who inserted all this other stuff, and I, it, it's it's a it's an it's, well, it's an intriguing based story. On a Stephen King, right? Short novella, right? Right. That he wrote as Richard Bachman, right? Yes, and and so of course to make it into a movie, they took a lot of liberties as they often do with some of Stephen King's stuff, and um. It's just, I love it. I just love it for the over-the-top cheese factor of everything. So people just want some food. Just give them some food. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time. I need to go back and watch it. I just, I just remember just being amazed. I'm like, what a great concept. And casting Richard Dawson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's famous for uh, Family Feud as Killian, the game show host, was mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. It's got Jesse the Body in it. Absolutely, Jesse. The you mean Jesse the Jesse the mind, Jesse no. the governor. Back then, he was Jesse the body Ventura. Let me tell you something, Gino. Um, <laughs> and then also November uh, thirty years ago, planes, trains, and automobiles. Steve Martin and John Candy. Oh, the all-time holiday classic. What a great movie. What a great movie. Of course, I love John. Of course, I love John Candy. We oh, all did. So do I. Who didn't love John Candy, for crying out loud? Um, 
Good night. I lo- the the romantic comedy he did with Ali Sheedy is one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that one? It takes place in Chicago, and Maureen O'Hara is no. plays his mom. Uh-uh. And, uh, you know, it, it. he falls in love with Ali Sheedy's character, and because she's of a different faith than he is, his mom is against the two of them and stuff. Um, but I just love it because freaking John Candy getting to play the lead role in a romantic comedy. I'm like, you go, John. What's it? Go. Do you know? Do you remember what it's called? Uh, I'll IMDb it real quick. Okay. All right. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. That's that's. Uh, it's just a really sweet movie. Um, and then, but planes, trains, and automobiles. I mean, come on. This is this is everything you want out of these two guys. And the when they get pulled over in that burn-up car by the <laughs> well, the speedometer doesn't work, you see, because it's well, it's called only the lonely. Okay. Oh yeah, actually, re- Chris Columbus directed. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I've never seen it, but I, I'm I'm familiar with it. Check it out. I really think you'd like this. I one. will. I will. I will. Um, let's see what else we got here. Twenty-five years ago, nineteen ninety-two, Aladdin. Oh, that blue genie showed up and worked his way into our hearts. Um, and then Bram Stoker's Dracula. Really? Yeah. Hmm. 25 years ago. What, like, really isn't it's that old or really isn't I put it on the list? I, I think it's you put it on the list. <laughs> I, You know, I put it on there because we were talking about Gary Oldman earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just the Gary Oldman connection. Okay. You know, and, right. and Francis, this was like one of Francis Ford Coppola's last really big pictures. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, at the time it was a big event thing. Sure. Oh, I do. I mean, I do remember it being a big a big event, but I don't remember it being that well received by people. Eh. Was it? Tony Hopkins. I mean, the cast was crazy. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, 20 years ago in 1997, Starship Troopers. What a quirky, fun science I fiction movie. I still love this movie. Yeah, it is It is a lot of fun. I remember thinking the first time I saw it, because they also, with Starship Troopers, it's one of the first movies I remember watching where they kind of did a lot of like interesting cuts by going to the news, and there'd be some first-person kind of stuff going on. And then well, you... it's Paul Verhoeven, so he's, he'd done that in RoboCop. Okay, that's true, yeah. You know, worked in the fake commercials and the news and stuff is like, you know, the beats between scenes. So it was something he had done before. But, yeah, they, you know, it kind of got across the uh, the political commentary, if you will, Mm -hmm. that he was trying to make in Starship Troopers. Yeah, I Um, it was a fun movie. It just yeah, I know great effects. It really was. It really was. I remember if I didn't think I would be into it, and a friend of mine was like, you got to watch this movie. He's like, it's just fun. And and so I'm watching. I'm like, this really is just fun. You know, they're just blowing up these bugs, and it's great, and it's just... And then, I like, the the, politi- the first time I watched it, the political commentary just kind of went over my head. I was just like, hey, look at the bugs. Of course, you know, I'm 20 years old, don't care about political commentary. It's that a point. movie that 20 years later still works really it, well. Indeed, indeed. Here's a movie that I don't think works 20 years later very well. No, Alien- no. And, and I have to admit, the only reason I put Alien Resurrection on here mm-hmm. is personal memory for me. Okay. You know, this was 
living in, I was living in Jersey City in 1997. Um, we went and Alien Resurrection opened the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And a whole mess of us went to see it that Wednesday night. And then, uh, then we went to a bar afterwards and had, you know, probably too many beers. Came back to Jersey City and my buddy and I, uh, Steve Geiger, who is a freelance artist, does a ton of stuff for Marvel. Um, we, we spent Thanksgiving, like, just hanging out together. But that night, like, we, we got back and went to his apartment and we just, you know, there was an X-Files marathon on. Mm-hmm. And so I put the turkey in the oven. You know, and we just hung out and watched X Files for like twelve hours straight. So it's just this crazy Thanksgiving memory for me that began with the the bad alien resurrection. Yes, well I I only seen it I've only seen it once. Is this the one who was Winona Ryder in this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, where Sigourney Weaver was the clone of Ripley. Yeah, did she shoot a basketball and hit the basketball? Ring the goal? Uh, Maybe. Like behind her head, like over her head? Yeah, I think so. I I just remember the really bad alien-Ripley hybrid thing. Mm -hmm. Mama! I don't know. It did have Ron Perlman in it, though, so that was a good thing it had going for it. Okay. Um, I got to get back to my notes here. 15 years ago, in 2002. Look, if you just had one shot. <laughs> could I? <laughs> the most nonchalant way of saying Eight yeah. Mile, starring old Eminem. Uh, was the first, uh, was, was released. Um, this was the karate kid of rap movies. Yeah, pretty much. I did. I, I did see this eventually and I did. Um, <clears throat> I liked it. It's a good movie. I did I've too. I liked it. I like the way at the end, how he, how he wins the rap battle at the end. Like yeah, he takes away tear, every weapon. Taking himself apart. Yeah. Yeah. Before Doc can do it to him. Yeah. His palm. Eric, here's the thing. His palms are sweaty. His knees weak. His arms are heavy. <laughs> There's vomit on his sweater already. It's mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he's looking calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps forgetting what he wrote down. Do you have this remembered, or are you reading this off of something? (laughs) We'll let that be the mystery of the day. (laughs) Also in November 2002, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Now, this is the second in the Harry Potter films. And, okay, good, because um, I was just going to ask you which one this well, was. Well, the first one would have been in the Philosopher's Stone, or the Sorcerer's yes. Stone. I mean, Philosopher's Stone is what it is in Great Britain. Sorcerer's yes. Stone is what it is in the U.S. The Chamber of Secrets is the second one, and um, they were still just cute little kids at this point. Um, they didn't really start to to get out of the cute kids phase until, I Who guess, the third one. Who was the defense one. against the dark arts teacher in this one? Hmm. Uh, That's kind of how I remember them. It's the guy who ends up having Voldemort on his head. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. He wears the uh, like the turban. The, the wears whole the time. turban, yeah. And, yes. and it's and it's Voldemort on his head. Um, yes. That would not be fun to wake up every morning with Voldemort. Mm-mm. 
no. in your head. Hey, you could have just ended the sentence at with Voldemort, and been and you've been true there too. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't mind spending a, a fun summer day with Voldemort. You think? You really? Not on my hat. I can't imagine you'd be fun to hang out with. Uh, and also, Sigmund Freud analyzed this 2002 November, 15 years ago. Die another day uh, was released in theaters uh, to us all. Hmm. Yeah. One for you Bond fans. Yeah, there, there you go, Bond fans. Of course, most Bond fans uh, put this up there as one of the worst of all the Bond movies. Um, and one of the worst of the, all the Bond songs. As sung by Madonna. It just wasn't ah. good. Yeah. Um, five years ago in November of 2012, Wreck-It Ralph. What a good movie. Great movie. What a fun Fun, fun. Just movie. inventive, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, good cast. Liked it a lot. Yes. Look forward to Wreck It Ralph too. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> all right, Irish. Is it time to give away the prize? It's time. We're going to give away one of these gift cards to someone in the chat right now. We're going to do it via a trivia question. It should be one that's easy to answer. Um, so in, we're about to talk Thor Ragnarok spoilers will abound. So be ready, everybody. So if you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok yet, now is the time after, you know, well, well, you got to know how we're going to give away the Fandango cards. We're going to give away one right now and then we will, uh, and I'll tell you how to win the others. Um, $25 Fandango gift card. And here is the trivia question for those of you in the live chat. In uh, in Thor Ragnarok, uh, Valkyrie is referred to as Scrapper 142. Why was that particular designation chosen for her by director uh, Taika Waititi? Did I say his name right? Close enough. Okay. Do you know the answer to this, Eric? I don't. Okay. Well, we will. Well, the first person who gets this in the chat will win it. And so understand that my bit of lag may be different than your lag from what you're seeing to me. Sad, you're almost there. I'm going to need you to be a little bit more specific uh, than just the issue. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to need a little bit. I'm going to need some more specifics from you, sir, than just that. So anyone can jump in really quickly and snag that. If you want to win a $25 Fandango gift card, I'm sorry, Sad, that is incorrect. Um, Oh, there it is, Maui Mark. He he hit it up. Tenton, why didn't you just say so, Tenton? Uh, Maui Mark got it. It's Incredible Hulk 142, in which she appeared for the first time in the Incredible Hulk comics. Um, and so he chose that because of their relationship well done, in the movie. Mark. Well done. So, Maui Mark, I need you to email me with an address to which to send this to. And uh, and we will and I will get it out to you. For everyone else who wants to win a Fandango gift card, on the next episode, we will announce four winners. We're going to pick them at random. Here's what you need to do. You need to go on to... Actually, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We'll do it two different ways. I'll do two on Twitter. And I'll Send do... Steve $25. Exactly. <laughs> you can PayPal. And um, he'll, he'll gift you with the $25 exactly, Fandango card. Exactly. No... All right, for two of these, we'll do it on Twitter. And what you need to do on Twitter is go to Twitter, of course, first, and say this, I want to go to the movies 
with at Geek Out Loud, thanks to at Fandango. And uh, we'll pick a winner at random that way next week. We'll pick two winners at random that way next week. And uh, again, that tweet is, I want to go to the movies with at Geek Out Loud, thanks to at Fandango. And, uh, and we'll pick two rent winners at random next week. And then we'll hold off two more of these for another giveaway before The Last Jedi hits. So there you go. Uh, that's how we'll handle, we'll handle that. So Maui Mark, in the chat, you've got one. And we've got two we'll give away on Twitter. And then there'll be two more left. So uh, all kinds of stuff. When do you do this? Um, whenever you'd like to. I would say wait until the episode is posted. But we're going to pick a win... We're going to pick a winner. We're going to pick the winners at random. So, well, uh, they could do it right now. You can I do mean, it right now. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's fine to do it right now, but it's not going to help your chances necessarily. So, um, just if you send Steve $25, it will help your chances dramatically. Uh, so that actually, that's not true. We accept no money for prizes here. Um, all the legal mumbo jumbo you need to get into this. Erish. Steve. Let's talk about Thor, man. Um, yes. I, I know that you immediately had a love for this movie. Um, well, we both had an immediate love for this movie when we oh, saw the first trailer. Indeed. Agreed, 100%. As, as you said, quote, this is my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, the trailer for All Thor. All you seen was the trailer. The, the tra- well, the tra- to be fair, the trailer was my favorite movie of the year so yes. far. <laughs> favorite, favorite superhero movie of the year. Um, dude... But then you saw the movie, and you really liked it a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, look, I dragged, uh, I dragged two of my nephews to it. They wanted nothing to do with it because the first two Thor movies were their least favorite Marvel movies. Oh, wow. Um, oh, come on. Thor 2, I think, is everybody's least favorite. Mm. It's definitely in the bottom three. Okay. I mean, right. that's well, fine. we're talking about Ragnarok. Right. So uh, basically, I dragged them to it, and as we're walking out, the youngest one, who just turned nine over the weekend, um, he was like, That was my favorite Marvel movie. Nice. So it, it converted the two of them. I loved it. I was just laughing and smiling through the whole movie. The only thing that the only thing I was a little disappointed with was they just had they just released too much online for these movies now. Yes, agreed a hundred percent. Yes, I just I and look, it's my own fault because I watch the stuff. I have to stop watching it. Yeah. Now, to be fair, I did not watch any of the stuff. Well, you did the outside right of thing. the trailers that were released. You're a stronger man than I was. Well, I, I guess I just didn't have time to to watch it. I don't know. Like I didn't realize there was stuff online. So it's not about strength, because everything that was released online for like um, Justice League clips I've watched that I've seen, and anytime yeah, we've seen the whole movie. Already. Anytime someone acts like there's a new footage from Last Jedi online, I'm like, oh, I'll click on this, and then it's just the same thing it's always been. It's just re-edited by somebody. Um, I upon my I've seen this twice now, and I see I am different than everybody else apparently in the world because I liked the Dark World. I like Thor: The Dark World. I recognize the weakness of where people thought the villain was real weak. You know, um, 
and, and and that sort of thing. But I thought it was a good continuation of Thor's story from Avengers into into this situation with Jane and with all the. I mean, you know, he's fight. He's literally fighting to save basically the known universe at that point. And um, and I'm a sucker for any moment where the music swells up majestically as the hero makes one last jump at saving the day, as it does in in Thor Dark in Thor the Dark World. Uh, the Loki stuff we got in Thor the Dark World I thought was really good, and it ended with a great mm-hmm. cliffhanger, which I thought was very well wrapped up in this. Yes, I, I my my issue with Ragnarok the first time I saw it was, and it was and it was a kind of a fear that I was beginning to have the more that I was kind of seeing and hearing seeing the trailers and hearing some stuff from some people is that I was worried that they would lean too heavily into the comedy of things. The the Thor movies themselves were honestly the first Thor, especially during that first little run, I guess outside of the Iron Man stuff, because Tony Stark is so snarky and a smart aleck Mm -hmm. and kind of funny in himself. But really the Thor movies surprised me, particularly the first one with the humor that was there. Like right. I really expected it to be kind of a stiff, you know, stiff neck kind of movie, but the but the humor really stood out, and I thought it was really well executed, especially in the first one. Um, and so to have some humor wasn't a bad thing to me, but I was worried they'd lean a little too heavily into the comedy. And I think, upon my first viewing, I walked out feeling like maybe they had. Upon my second viewing, I don't think that at all. I think that it falls right in line with kind of the tone of what the Marvel movies have been, particularly since Age of Ultron, um, you know, and particularly, particularly since Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I, the, the visuals of this movie, the, the interaction with Thor and Banner, Hulk getting to talk and be, you know, talky Hulk and, 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 and what that entails and what his story entails for what, what is to come potentially, you know, is just, I, I come away just absolutely loving this movie. I, I thought it was fantastic. I love the introduction of Valkyrie. Um, I am hashtag hot for Hella, uh, <laughs> and I make no apologies. It, it, I, I walked out. I'm like, I've never been attracted to these darker, evil characters. But my gosh, when she didn't have her little headpiece on and she just letting that hair flow, I'm like, how you doing, Hella? How you doing? Um, so. <laughs> Um, but I, dude, I'm telling you this, oh, and just the Marvel geek in me loved it. The Jack Kirby set designs were fantastic. The, the, just, I, I, I tweeted you this today, the art, or I texted you this today cause and you told me to save it for the show. Um, the art direction uh, of this movie to me was so, so good. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, just the way they were paying so much homage to, to Jack Kirby and it, right down to like the angular designs and the little circles at the end of things, his dissolvey stick, his melty stick, you know, the grandmaster's is right. a Jack Kirby staff. I mean, like that's something he would have put in the hands of psycho man or Galactus or somebody or, or a celestial. And I'm just like, I was just absolutely floored by it and loved it so very much. And the colors popped and it was just, it was a comic book come to life in so many ways. And that's what yes. I want out of these superhero movies. All right, we'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs> I have been told by people um, that that they don't really quite understand my love of the Incredible Hulk. 
And then after the first Avengers, I had my friend Derek say, I get it now. I get why you like the Hulk. And, and then after this one, I've had even more people say, I get why you like the Hulk. How'd you feel about the Hulk in this movie? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, from just the, the opening scene with him, with the, the Hulk's first scene, the big gladiator yes, battle, yeah, which was just awesome was so good. And and look, honestly, that goes back to the first Avengers movie. Yes. With with you know, the Hulk knocking Thor out and stuff. I mean, the two of them have had like this rivalry. Um so getting to see them go full on gladiator battle against each other. And and, and not only that, but Loki's reaction when he first sees the Hulk and he starts panicking. Um then when the Hulk is just pounding Thor, you know, back and forth, like he did the Loki in Avengers and Loki's like, yeah, see, that's what it's like. <laughs> that's what awesome. it feels like. <laughs> um, it, just that battle was so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the scene with the, the scene with the two of them sitting on the dinosaur skull bed. Yes. And, uh, you know, oh, Hulk's strongest there is. <laughs> Hulk like raging fire. Thor like smoldering fire. Yeah. yeah well, what's even great, awesome. what's even better is what leads up to that moment. Because they're arguing with one another. I remember uh, the director, and, I, and I'm sorry if I keep saying his name wrong, but uh, it, it, is it Taika? Just call him Taika. Taika, okay. I remember him saying that, you know, in, in seeing some interviews and reading where they said, this is going to be like a buddy cop movie in space. And yeah. and when Thor and Hulk are just arguing and, and Hulk throws that thing and that shield at him across the room and it lodges in the wall, he's like, who does that? You know what? You The world does hate you and you are stupid and you're not. And Thor and, and Hulk, instead of fighting, just kind of starts pouting. And Thor's like, you know what? I'm sorry. That's not right. And and Hulk turns away. It's just the, the what leads up to that moment is just that little argument they have in that room. And it's so great. And I don't even like this room. Red and white. Who does that? Pick a color. Um it's just I, the the dialogue between those two is fantastic because Thor and Hulk have always in the comics had this tension with one another, right? And 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 to see that have to play out and see them have to work together and then to hear him say to Hulk, "You're my favorite. You're I like you much better than Banner." And then when he turns back into Banner, he's like, "No, no, no, I like you so much more than Hulk." You know, he's just playing him to try to get him to Asgard with him so he can. Um, but the other thing too is that you know Thor's got this arrogance about him mm-hmm. that. This whole movie was about humbling him. Right. You know, like at, at every turn, he's facing something that's humbling him. Um, and and a lot of the comedy came out of that as well, mm-hmm. is this guy who's just thinks so highly of himself and just, you know, doesn't quite get it. Um, and then having it thrown back in his face and seeing how he responds to it yep. was, I just, I love that about it. Well, that, you know, and that kind of is a throwback to the first film because Thor had to humble himself to be worthy yeah. of Mjolnir. And, and he kind of talks about like, I love at the beginning. Um, and this is one of the places where I felt like they leaned a little too heavy into the comedy, um, where he's spinning around in the chain. He's like, hold on, wait. Wait, you know, because I just can't imagine Surtur putting oh, up no, with that. Oh, no, I love that. I mean, it's funny, but I can't imagine Surtur putting I, up with that. And um, I, I, I love that. What I, what I loved most about that scene is he's like, because that's what heroes do. And, he, and you see his hand and like Mjolnir's not there. He's like, oh, I mistimed that. Hold on. 
And so, and then when Melder shows up and it breaks out into the immigrant song and everything, which by the way, BA. Oh, so amazing. BA use, use of the immigrant song. Oh, um, yes. Both times they used it. I was just like, I'm just like banging my head. Like yes. Like concert. It was so awesome. Uh, but, but there's this idea to me that Thor has learned to embrace and loves being a hero. And, yes. you know, and where that kind of puffs up his pride or makes him a little arrogant is, is one thing. You know, he, he says at the end of Dark World that he has he doesn't want the throne, you know, and, and that led to. Uh, he says it again in this movie. Right, right. And that's and that's been the whole thing is like he hasn't wanted the throne. He hasn't wanted to be the king of Asgard. But now he finds himself at the end of this movie as the king. And and it's the same, and it's the things that humble him throughout the along the way. Are not only losing Mjolnir, you know, but also losing his father. Mm-hmm. You know that I thought they did a really good job. That's the thing that I felt like, especially on the second viewing, they did a really good job of taking the moments that needed to be poignant and emotional, and doing them very well. Um. I mean, honestly, he has lost everything in this movie. Yes. He's lost Mjolnir. He's lost his father. He's lost Asgard. He's lost his hair. I mean, he has lost lost everything. (laughs) Please don't cut my hair, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing that I was really happy to see them do in this movie, and it would have been really, really easy to make Loki a good guy. Mm -hmm. Yep. But I felt like they found the right balance in... And having Loki do the right thing, but he's doing the right thing for his own selfish purposes. Right, right. You know, he's he's the trickster to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that they kept that aspect about him. Because, look, we all love Loki. You know, we all love... Uh, sorry, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Tom Hiddleston. Know. Tom Hiddleston. We all love Tom Hiddleston's version of Loki. Mm-hmm. So... You know, uh, in the hands of a weaker filmmaker, in the hands of a weaker producing producers, etc., it'd be like, oh, Loki's got to be the good guy. He's the big breakout star. We got to put him front and center. They worked him in perfectly. That said, I love that Thor did not fall for his trick. You know, right? Yeah. Saw him. Saw it coming. Yep. Saw it coming. It was just like, oh, brother. You know, I so wished you hadn't done this, but. I know you and I know you to the end kind of thing and leaves him like, you know, immobilized as he does. And I was just like, Oh, thank you. You know, Thor smartened up to it. Yep. So both those things I really appreciated that they were able to do with this. Yeah. I also loved, I also loved Hulk attacking Surtur at the end, and Thor just be like, "No, He's, don't and, do this! Why are you doing this, and, dummy?" And when when the Hulk lands on the bridge, and, and Thor's like, "No, don't!" He's like, "Big monster!" Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just so good. Like, come on, man! This is what I Hulk do. Is gonna go for it. Yes, it's what I do. It's a big monster. <laughs> <laughs> well, I oh, also but you you talk about Loki being a trickster to the end when he's in. When he's going down to the vault to put Surtur's helmet into the Eternal Flame. Yes. And what we get real quick is a shot of him pausing at the Cosmic Cube, at the Tesseract. Yeah. The, 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 the mid credit scene of the end is a huge ship showing up in front of where Thor and Loki are. Um, and, and they ship. have 
Feige has confirmed that 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 is that Thanos. Is Thanos. And and what we've also heard from Feige is that the Infinity War is going to begin with Thanos going around the galaxy collecting all these Infinity Stones. Right. So to me, that lets me know that Loki, once again in his selfishness, made sure that he got that Tesseract so he could have the yeah. power of the Tesseract with him. And well, but he would also take it because he knew what they were doing. He knew that they were going to destroy Asgard. Right, right. So he's not going to leave something that powerful behind. Exactly. But, of course, he's not going to tell Thor about it either. No. Why? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So uh, what I, the, it just, I love that it kind of sets up that, once again, Loki's little plans are causing everyone a little bit of trouble. Um, now, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Because of the events of Avengers and who Loki was working with, does he know about Thanos? I think he has to. Yeah, I think he does. I, I definitely think he does. Um, because we don't we don't see him with Thanos, but we see we know that he's had contact with like Thanos's right hand guy. Right, and and the right hand guy continues to talk. At one point, he talks about him. He talks about uh-huh. about his master. So yeah, I think Loki definitely knows about him. Um, in fact, I'll try to find. So if Loki knows about him, then it's very possible that Loki also knows about the Infinity Gauntlet and the importance of these stones. I would think so. Uh, well, you know, they, they had the fake Infinity Gauntlet down in the uh This is true, <laughs> yeah, the so he does know about the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. so um, let me see if I can find this. Loki and the other. Here we go. Yeah, and well, and Thor knows about it also. Because Thor's been off, supposedly between Avengers two and this movie, he's been looking for Thor's these stones. Thor's been off looking for Infinity Stones. Right, exactly. He's been well. He says, he, and he says as much at the beginning. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Here we go. This is the scene where Loki is having. They're down in the sewer area, or down in the hidden base, where Loki's got him working on the thing, and he's going to have a conversation now with this. Uh, six-fingered Chitauri guy. Here we go. The Chitauri grow restless. Let them guard themselves. I will lead them in a glorious battle. Battle? Against the meager might of Earth? Glorious, not lengthy. If your force is as formidable as you claim you question us you question him Mm. he who put the scepter in your hand who gave you ancient knowledge and new purpose when you cast out defeated i was a king he says you question him he who put the scepter in your hand yeah who gave you new knowledge and power so yeah loki knows thanos so he does know thanos yeah yeah which could make it really interesting. Yeah, that could make it very interesting. Maybe the trickster's got some bargaining to do. Hmm. 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 Oh, look, he's not as friendly as everyone thinks he is. <sighs> Jeff Goldblum as the Grandmaster. Was great. Well, Jeff Goldblum as Jeff Goldblum. Yes. <laughs> There was there was no acting involved in this at one. all at all. But that's what we wanted. Yes, yes. I his his interaction with 
the Lord of Thunder. He's like, oh, look at the sparkles coming out of your hand. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Oh, you want to fight face the champion? Uh, we'll we'll let you do that. Yeah, no problem. And like he never went over the top in introducing stuff. You're incredible. Like he never like really got really excited or built up about yeah. anything. And that couch that he and Loki were sitting on absolutely opposite ends of watching was like, mm-hmm. what in the world? What a long couch. What? Well, maybe, you know, it's for when he has multiple guests up mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Now, yeah, I, I tell you what, every time Scrapper 142 brings something, I always say, what do I always say about Scrapper 142? Starts with a B. <laughs> Booze winch. No, no, it's the best. She's the best. Oh, but the first shot of Scrapper 142 where she's drunk and falls off. Oh, and off falls the off ship. the ship, yes. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It, well, and the Valkyrie, just what a, what a fun character arc. And and what a great character for mm. this movie. I mean, you know, an Asgardian who had been through hell with Hela and was just done with it and um, and, and has to be brought back. But I love her interaction with the Hulk. When she shows up, she's like, hey, big guy. And he's like, hey, little girl. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so when she sees Bruce, she's like, I know you from somewhere. I think I know you from somewhere. Such good stuff. All the way around. Her character was so good. Um, you know, and then when she put on the actual Valkyrie suit, as it were, yep. to, to throw down, it's just, I mean, they did all those great little moments like that, I think, perfectly. Really, really perfectly. Um, what'd you think of Hela? I mean, this is one oh, of the things. Best best villain yet. I think so as well. I think, I think oh, that. She was fantastic. One I of, really, really hope she's not dead. I want to see her again. Oh, she's not. I mean, look, the gods don't die. She, this is, uh, you know, one of the criticisms of the Marvel movies have been, um, ha- have been the weakness of the villains. You know, yeah, the, we've we've discussed this numerous times right. on on the show, and and that's why and that's why I think Loki was one of the standout villains from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Is he's mm-hmm. one of the more multifaceted villainous characters that we've been given and now you step in there with hella who incredible backstory being basically banished to some nether region by odin until he dies and his power can no longer keep her at bay and you find out this whole backstory and everything and um and and you just realize and i love the conversation because one of the other things that's really been set up through the thor series through the thor trilogy is is that odin never tells the full story Mm-hmm. You know, right down from Loki being a being a frost giant to the ether not being destroyed but being hidden away somewhere, and now to this daughter who was, you know, that he'd banished to this other region because he wanted. Well, the fact that he's got a fake Infinity Gauntlet in the vault as if it's the real thing. I yes. mean, this guy—it's all lies with him. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, this is interesting. M Dunn in the chat says Odin became Thor's Obi Wan. Indeed, you know, in, in, in the way that he, at the end, is like, you know, it's not your hammer, you have the power, but also in the sense that he only told the truth that he felt like people needed to hear at the time. Yeah. You know, wow. That's a good... Uh, of course, old Anthony Hopkins, or as you like to call him because your bud's with him, old Tony Hopkins. Tony Hopkins. <laughs> good friend, Sir Tony. Your good friend, Sir Tony. Doing another great job as Odin. 
But again, when Thor, when Hela has Thor down, he's like, and she's like, tell me again, what were you the god of? And he flashes to Odin, and there he is in Norway with, with Odin, and Odin kind of tells him about the hammer. He's like, you're not the god of hammers, are you? You know, it was another very poignant um, moment. Well, technically, he's the god of lightning. Well, come on. You now. know, that my nephews brought that up to me as we walked out. They're like, he doesn't shoot thunder out of his hands. Yeah, but it's... I'm like, I'm like, but God of Thunder sounds cooler than God of Lightning. That's right. That's right. Um, but even that was a very poignant moment that brought on that B.A. moment. Of, the, he's like, <laughs> of course, I love when she shows back up and he's like, hit her with the lightning bolt. He's like, I just hit her with the biggest lightning bolt of, ever, <laughs> of all time and it didn't do anything to her. Well, that's the thing is, you know, when you look at it, Thor doesn't actually beat her. Right. He has you know, to, he outsmarts Thor calls her. upon a greater creature to beat her. Well, he does. He brings about Ragnarok. Yeah. Because it's the only way to stop her because she gets her powers from, she's only being strengthened by being in Asgard. And, and so there has to be no Asgard so she can't become overly strong. Overly so basically they can't build Asgard over Oklahoma because that'll just make her strong again. Well, I think it is something about that actual realm of space. How about that? That's in the contract with her? Mm. That her power comes from Asgard, but only in the specific specific realm of space? I think so. Let's say it that so way. So Oklahoma, they'd be safe? I think so, yeah. I think they'd be safe in Oklahoma or Norway. You think they'll do that? Mm, Rebuild I, Asgard over Oklahoma? I don't think they'll do it over Oklahoma. I think they'll set up in Norway. Okay. Where where Odin because you get the sense that Odin kind of tax knew, breaks in Norway yeah, than in Oklahoma. Well, and you know, there's the potential Free of being healthcare. Well, and there's a the potential of being worshipped as gods there. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> But you but you also get the sense that Odin is kinda like showing them that or wanting them to see that so that they would turn it into home. Um, but you know, he knew Ragnarok was coming and he knew that people would need a place of refuge. And I think that's what he showed. And that's another, that's a change actually that was made from the original, from, from the original filming ideas is they, and this is one of the things that was made about in the, uh, in the trailers in the first trailer, when we see Hela crush Thor's hammer, she's kind of in an alleyway in the city. And then of course the background was changed to be, you know, in the grassy knolls and plains and stuff. And so apparently, originally, Odin was supposed to... Pull the rope one on us. Right, right. Well, apparently, Odin was supposed to die there in New York. Um, They were supposed to find him wandering around like a homeless guy. And there's even pictures of Anthony Hopkins dressed up like a homeless guy, you know. And, um, but, and I think it was, I think it's a good change that they changed it to finding him there in Norway, and that's where everything goes down. I think it just makes for a better... Connection. Now, now, did did this change come about because they wanted to include Doctor Stephen Strange in it? No, that was from the get go. In fact, the the post credit scene of Doctor Strange is a is a portion of what you see. Uh, right, post credit scene in the Doctor Strange movie is a portion of what you see in the Thor. Yeah, in in right. his interactions, and so they actually filmed all that. Uh, while Doctor Strange was filming, so they could gotcha. do it, so they could do it before they tore the set down okay. of of the Sanctum Sanctorum. I loved the whole Doctor Strange. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yes, I, I did. loved I loved the way uh, you know he kept like 
moving around and Thor just banging into stuff. And <laughs> well, what about you know, when he brings strange Loki? Messing with Loki. I just thought it worked great. What about when he brings Loki and Loki shows back up? He's like, I was falling for a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> and the and I thought it was cool that he had Mjolnir disguised as the umbrella. And so when yep. Hela shows up, he smashes the umbrella down on the ground. Back in the day when Don Blake carried the persona of Thor, his walking stick, um, he would tap it on the ground like that. Or he'd do it twice to and it would turn and he would turn into Thor, and of course the stick would become the hammer and that sort of thing. Um and I, I thought that was kind of a I don't know if it was meant to be a cool throwback, but it was obviously inspired by that and it was just a great concept, especially using the umbrella in the Sanctum Sanctorum when he holds his hand out to get his umbrella back. Yeah. And it's just crashing. You hear it crashing through everything, through Doctor Strange Sanctum Sanctorum. It was just, ah. Uh, this, this was such a, again, it was a comic book come to life to me, which mm-hmm. is to me, for me personally, is when these movies are the best. Um, because that's why I watch these movies, and that's what I like about having different directors come on and... And, and sometimes different looks and even different ways of filming some of these movies the way they've done. It's one of the things that I really dig about Black Panther is... Well, and it keeps, it keeps the entire franchise from getting stale. Right, exactly. Because it's new energy, it's new direction, it's new visions involved and like everything. You know, we're getting pretty much the same stories over and over again, but we're getting... Yeah, we're getting a different filter on. Well, it's just like comic books. You know, you yeah. kind of get the same story over and over again. Kevin Feige playing the role of editor in chief here, and yeah. and then everyone else in the you know on the creative side being those artists and writers that you would have in a comic book, and and so and because they're all under the Marvel house or in you know the Marvel uh, house of ideas or the house of M, you know there is going to be a common direction and a common feel to things. But they're able to, they're learning more and more with each movie that they put out how to play in that universe and not feel so similar to everything else. One instance is the soundtrack of this film. Uh, Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo fame, my friend, uh, did the score for this movie. And he whipped it. He whipped it real he good. He whipped it fantastically. Uh, <laughs> Listen, this, this this look using the Chuck and the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory song was just genius. Brilliant, especially doing what they were doing, and it's just so good. I leaned over to Evan, not knowing, not figuring he would know what it was, and mm-hmm. before I could open my mouth, he was like, "That's the Chuck and the Chocolate Factory song." Yeah, yeah, and the uh, the somewhere in there because uh, as you watch the credits. The Lonely Man theme is tucked away in there somewhere. And I tried the, to hear... The Lonely Man theme is what? From the Incredible Hulk TV show? Exactly, yes. And and I could not hear it, even on the second the second viewing. I, I saw it in the credits on the first viewing, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Where was that? And so the second time, I was really listening for it and never heard it again. And so I want to know, and maybe someone in the chat will know... Um, Clearly, you're not strongest Avenger. no. No, I'm wondering if there was anyone who caught the old Lonely Man theme in in the in the movie, um, and and see if if you caught that. So I'll I'll wait for you guys in the chat uh, as we continue to talk. But I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that Mark Mothersbaugh had done a lot of different movie compositions. 
Um, he did the Lego movie, the score for the Lego movie. Um, he has worked with, uh, uh, he did 21 Jump Street, you know, um, mm-hmm. he's done the Pitch Perfect movies. Uh, so, I mean, he's got some movie cred that he's done. He did, uh, he's even done some Toy Story stuff when they, like the shorts, the Toy Story shorts. Right. Um, and so, you know, and what he did with this is he brought to it something because one of the biggest criticisms I've had of the Marvel films has been underwhelming scores. I've liked parts of them. Um, and in fact, Patrick Doyle's Thor score was one of my favorites uh, out of that because it just had some of the best, to me, musical moments for Thor. And what Mother's Ball does in this is he even brings back some of that original music. He brings back some of the original, which I, which I absolutely love because I like there to be a musical consistency throughout these things that I think has been lacking in some of these films. So he wanted to make it stand apart. He wanted to make it stand out. So he brings in uh, not just orchestral music and not just some choral music, but he throws in the synth. He throws in the synth music and everything. Like he brought all of his new wave powers to bear on this film, and I it, it has become one of I, I have this thing on rotation in my car because it's it's that good to me. I really like it. I really dig it. The Ragnarok Suite. If you just want to get one, it's nine minutes of music, and it is a it is a it, it is a taste of everything that goes on uh, in in the movie. Now, musical. did Beethoven write that? The Ragnarok Suite. No, no, no. This is Mark Mothersbaugh who wrote this. Yeah, and the, the Devo guy. Yeah, Beethoven. Uh, Be- <laughs> Beethoven actually you did the Lonely Man theme. We give Joseph Harnell credit, but it was Beethoven. <laughs> so. He was ripping off Mozart. Apparently, it was he was going through as I'm going to show Mozart how to do piano music phase. For those uh, of you, but, uh, one other thing I want to touch on with the movie is, you know, for years us comic book nerds have been uh, have been crying out for Marvel to turn Planet Hulk mm-hmm. into a movie, and I love the fact that we basically got Planet Hulk in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as much as we're going to get from a Marvel yeah. film, um, yeah. But you know. We, we got the the gladiator pits and we got Korg and yep. we got the uh the little insect guy mm-hmm. uh, you know and i just i just really dug that and i loved Korg in this taika taika voicing him playing him and and the mocap was uh he was fantastic Korg Korg was a standout character to a lot of people he's another one that i had to warm up to by the way mark mothersbaugh also did the uh, score for fanboys um he was he was one I had to you know warm up to because of the voice, um, and you know because you expect someone like that to have this kind of deep voice. But you know, and he's yeah. like, "What's up, bro?" But that was part of the fun of it. Oh yeah, that, you know the I voice. Tried to start a revolution once. <laughs> I didn't have enough pamphlets. <laughs> and quite, I mean, honestly, this character is Korg in name and location only. When you get into the actual planet, and and that's the kind of stuff where the geek in me you know, has to settle down. I have to be like, settle down, boy, calm down. You're not going to get the war bound and all that stuff that comes from the planet Hulk comics. But, but him carrying Meek around and he's like, Oh, I killed him. I I accidentally stepped on him. Oh, look, he's alive. What were you going to ask again? Um, they just so many great moments when he piss off ghost. (laughs) 
Piss off, ghost. That was... I got to ask you a question. Okay. The champions on the tower. Mm-hmm. Beta Ray Bill was one of them, mm-hmm. and obviously the Hulk was the one under construction. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the others were? I I noticed By Beast on there. Um, Who's By Beast? He is. Uh, he's a Marvel villain. He's an alien. He's two headed. The heads, but his heads aren't side by side. They're on top of one another. Okay. Um, and he's been he's been someone that has been shown up. A couple of times, um, and and I do know Beta Ray Bill was on there. They're saying that there was one that has a helmet uh, on that is Ares um, from the Marvel side of things. There, right. there is an Ares in Marvel comics. Uh, I, I'll say okay, sure. And then Man Thing is there as well. Hmm. Um, he's actually you only get one really good shot of it. Um, but you can see where Beta Ray Bill is on the left and Aries on the right. By Beast is up under Aries. And then right in the middle, kind of on top of those, is Man Thing. And so you kind of get the idea that the Hulk beat Man Thing to be the new champion. And so those are the ones that I've seen and kind of recognized and, and have heard some talk about. I um, agree with Tenton in the chat that I, I really wanted to see some Beta Ray Bill too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't see why they couldn't have done him. I, I thought that we may I just, actually... I don't think... I think the common person would have been like, huh? Who's this guy wearing Thor's clothes? Yeah. You know, who's this horse guy wearing Thor's clothes? Right. I just think that the the common person who's not versed in the comics it would have just been too confused by it. Well, and yeah, you would have had to actually explain what was going on. Yeah. But, I, you know, I agree. And also, too... If he shows up with a hammer, you know, then he can give that to Thor, and which he tried to do um, recently in the comics because Thor is, you know, he's been running around for a while as the unworthy Thor, right? And not having his hammer, and so Beta Ray Bill actually tried to give him his hammer. So and, let's talk about Thor mm-hmm. for a second. Sure. How do you feel about about him and 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 the powers? You know, not it, needing Mjolnir mm-hmm. anymore to to channel the lightning. I mean, it absolutely makes sense, doesn't it? You know, he is yeah. he's the god of thunder, and uh, I I do think that Mjolnir is a part of the character of Thor as much as anything, and I hope that there's some way for him to somehow get a hammer of some sort back, if, if whether it's Mjolnir reforged or not. You know, um, well, I just I love. I love that Mjolnir, it basically in all the, all the movies that Thor has been in, Mjolnir has basically been a character in itself. Yes, right. You know, the, there's that awesome scene in the second Avengers movie where they're all sitting around after the party, you know, trying to t- trying to lift it, and, and Cap gets it to budge mm-hmm. like a, a, little bit. a millimeter, and Thor kind of panics. Um, there's Thor's initial fight with Hulk. Mm-hmm. On the helicarrier where he just puts Mjolnir down on top of the Hulk and then the Hulk can't move. Right. And then we see him do that again in Ragnarok where he puts it in the jaw of the dragon and the, and pins the dragon down. Um, there's just been – one of my favorite shots in any of the three Thor movies is in the second one where Thor just leaps off the balcony and catches Mjolnir as it shoots by and he flies off. Yes, yes. City. Love that. Yep. So, 
you know, just just the awesomeness of Mjolnir, and then and then the the just the he who shall be worthy mm-hmm. aspect to it. Yeah. So if he doesn't need the hammer anymore, if the hammer doesn't exist anymore, you know, it kind of takes away that worthiness to him. Sounds like you had a really intimate relationship with that hammer, mate. <laughs> Nice, nice, Korg. <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at? Yes, yeah, I I completely agree, and and that's and that's why I hope that somehow we're able to have Thor's hammer in some form or another restored to him. Yeah, likewise. Um, you know, but but that is, but I did not have a problem with his powers, and thought I thought it was, I, I think it was great because there is the part, and and this is the other thing you see happening with Thor in this film. You know, you talked about him being humbled. But he also had to learn that, you know, that the hammer is not what makes him the hero. Right. You know, that, that he, it's who he is, that, you know, the hero, the hero lies within, so to speak. And, and he did look freaking awesome with oh, the lightning, sure. like, just all around him and stuff. That yeah. was some cool stuff. Well, and then you've got the whole missing eye thing now going on. Yes. You know, and, and that's where I think that, the Infinity War has the opportunity to kind of right some of these wrongs based on, you know, maybe how the power is used to either tempt some of these people or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so it could be... Now, the- here, here's an interesting thing with the eye. We haven't seen it yet, but for those who, you know, were at San Diego Comic-Con or the couple mm-hmm. other conventions where they showed the Infinity War trailer... He didn't have the patch on his eye in the trailer because right. they didn't want to give that away. Right. So, you know, they kept that a secret, which I thought was really clever. Really clever. I agree. Yeah. Because otherwise, everybody would have been like, Thor's got an, a, an eye patch. He loses his eye. He looks just like Odin now. Blah, blah, blah. So I applaud them for doing that little that little bit of uh, trickery. Mm-hmm. Channeling Loki. Yes. Yeah. Well, they've learned. I mean, Marvel's learned how to do it, I think, you know, as far as they 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 hype the right things at the right time and and and, and they don't put out too much until you start getting close to the movie. And that's the one thing I'm like you, you know, you mentioned you wish you hadn't seen so many clips online. That's that's the one thing that I think some of these studios need to learn to stop doing is trust these properties, especially, you know, you throw Marvel Studios on anything now and it's going to make money. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't even with the regular the general populace you don't have to work too hard to show them too much and um and i think if we can you know if if they can fix that then the marvel's got their marketing strategy down and and with doing simple things like not revealing a missing eye and that sort of thing it, it just to me uh will will be that much better for them and they did a good job with that. Did you um how did you see this movie? What kind of theater were you in? Were you three D, two D? I don't see anything in three D. Yeah. I saw the first time I saw it there's an IMAX two D screen that I saw it on and it was gorgeous, man. It it was just absolutely gorgeous. And the scenes, the flashback scenes with the Valkyrie and and uh and Hella mm-hmm. fighting like it almost looked like they were I don't know if it was the lighting that did this or what, or, or the fact that everything was kind of in slow motion, but it looked like it was like that 48 K tech or whatever it is, a 48 FPS or, or however, right. you know, like it looked almost like you're watching 
tape on a TV, but it was so crystal clear on the screen. Mm. And then I made the mistake last night of going to a theater here in town where they were only showing it in 3D. I did, I went to the wrong movie theater and uh, went ahead and watched it in 3D. And the 3D wasn't bad. I'm just not a big fan of <clears throat> the 3D movies these days. Because they're not shot in 3D. It, it's all the post-digital conversion. Right. Yeah. So it's not true. It's not a true 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I, I'm not into all these extra gimmicks and stuff. Right. Just put it up there on the screen so I can watch it. I want it as big and clear and loud as you can give it to me. I want a decent sized screen, mm-hmm. um, you know, and a comfortable seat and yep. for an audience that keeps their traps shut. Yeah. That's all I ask for. There you go. <laughs> an audience that keeps their traps for, shut. Preferably nobody's in the theater. Yeah. Um, Let's see if anyone else in the chat has had anything to say about old Thor Ragnarok before we uh, we throw it throw it down and and kind of wrap this thing up. Um, have you seen? By the way, M Dunn brings this up, and it's a good point. Uh, I don't know if you'd even search something like this out. The the animated Planet Hulk. Oh yeah, I saw it years ago. Okay, they when it had came out. it was good. They had Beta Ray Bill in that, and now yep. M Dunn says they had him in place of Thor. Actually, as I recall, they have him in place of the Silver Surfer. In the comic books, the Silver Surfer actually shows up on Sakaar and, and is stuck in the arena for a little bit and, uh, and gets away. Um, and so because, they, because Marvel didn't have the rights to do that at the time or something, I don't know, they didn't bring in the Silver Surfer. They used Beta Ray Bill instead, um, which worked out great. It was, I thought yeah. that was a really well-done adaptation of the Planet Hulk storyline. I agree. Um, and as you said, this is as close as we'll get to that. And I know a lot of people, I don't have the love for Planet Hulk that I think a lot of people do. But I have a love for World War Hulk. Uh, well, which, uh, to me, it was just one big, long, continuous storyline. Mm-hmm, so right. I, I do love that it went into World War Hulk. Yeah. yeah. And him just turning Madison Square Garden into his own battle arena yes. was great. Well, I love that he gave everyone 24 hours to get out. And, 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 you know, honest, that's back what Marvel was kicking on all cylinders uh-huh. back then. Yep. Because that rolled right into uh, Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. And then it all, then the wheels fell off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Unfortunately. Well, uh, Eris, you got anything else on old Thor? Well, right just, now? you know, you hinted at the, the Hulk earlier with the possible storyline. They've mm-hmm. talked about you know, in lieu of there being a Hulk movie and giving him an arc that will spread over three movies. And, you know, assuming that this is the first part of that, I'm really digging what they're, what they're playing around with here, Mm -hmm. you know, with this, uh, with banner basically in fear of Hulk taking full control. Yes. Yep. You know, and and when he does change back, we find out that Hulk had been Hulk for two years. Two years, and and that messed with Banner's head a lot. Yep. Like when you when you Banner was confused, he was struggling to kind of get sentences. Well, he and didn't even about, know he was on another planet. Right. Yeah. So it it was uh, it was really, I was intrigued by it because when you start messing with those personalities, you know, and and. And just the Hulk being Hulk that long and learning to speak and everything, I, I'm really interested where they're going to go in these next few movies with that Hulk kind of sub subplot going on. Um, well, and, and not only is Banner afraid of the Hulk taking control, like when Hulk is Hulk, 
he doesn't think very highly of Banner. Oh no, and that's classic. That's classic Hulk Banner stuff. Yeah. Um, um, you so know, I'm just really intrigued, and you know, it makes that it makes that moment when they get back to Asgard where Banner basically realizes that they need the Hulk mm-hmm. and face plants onto the the the, the, onto <laughs> which, the Rainbow Bridge, which, which was, was awesome. a, which was a throwback to Ed Norton's Incredible Hulk. Yeah, yeah, I was when, just gonna say that <laughs> when he jumps uh, out of the helicopter, when he drops out of the helicopter and hits the. It's the concrete, and then he turns in the hook. I just, yeah, and I love that they showed him there just all ganked up, and it's like. Yep. <laughs> but it makes that decision that much more to steal your favorite word of the night, poignant. Yes. Um, because he realizes that if I do this, I may never come back. Right. And the last we see, they're on the spaceship, and it's Hulk it's is Hulk. still the Hulk. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, it, it. I'm looking forward to that because, as I, you know, as I've said, and everyone knows, out besides Superman, Hulk is my favorite superhero, yeah. and I've always loved him, and I've loved the comics, and I loved, um, I, I loved just how much people have learned to love him again, um, because of movies like this, and I am very intrigued as to where they're going to go. You know, a lot of people, when they said that, were like, oh, we're going to see Grey Hulk. I don't think we'll see that. No. But I think what we will see is maybe we'll go to the point of a merging of personalities. Yeah, um, I think we'll see the smarter Hulk. Yeah, and and I think no. I think we'll get to that point. Which I will, did love Thor walking around just, sun's getting real low. Yes. Getting real low. Sun's going sun's down. Calm down. Sun's going, yeah. down. sun's going down. Sun's going down. It's okay. Sun's going down. <laughs> Why do you I get just, stop saying that, that to so me? Good. <laughs> stop that saying that. That whole sequence on the Quinjet where Thor is trying to activate it and like, you know, it's not accepting anything he says. Yes. And then Banner's able to activate it and they're like, Bruce Banner, strongest Avenger. Strongest Avenger. Well, Thor's able to activate it, but he has to call himself Point Break. Yes. Because he's like, curse you Stark. <sighs> Point Break. <laughs> And it, and, uh, it's so good, and that's a throw, and that's a callback to the first the Avengers movie. Um, yeah, and th- and I think that's what Taika did very well with this, and and the whole crew is is they did very subtle callbacks that you know a super fans are going to obviously get, and then you know, but they also fit within the context of the film without being too distracting for everyone else. Yeah, so. I look. I I I love that. I don't know that it's my favorite Marvel movie. I know a lot of people have deemed that as uh, such. It, it, it's up there. It's in the top eight for me, mm-hmm. probably somewhere in there. I don't know. I haven't ranked them in a while. I haven't either. I haven't. It was really enjoyable. Oh, I should do that. I might do that before I go to bed tonight. <laughs> Rank the movies. Rank the Marvel movies. Um, I, I gotta say this for Marvel. You know they put a picture out and immediately I'm looking forward to the next mm-hmm. one. Agreed. I can't wait to see black Panther. Dude, black Panther looks so unique and, yep. and so cool. Um, I love the music that they're using in the trailers. Mm-hmm. I love all the colors. Yes. Involved and stuff. I, I mean, I, I, I went to Morocco once about 20 years ago mm-hmm. and a trip with my buddies and, you know, going over, like, you know, this was back before digital cameras and stuff. So it was film and our cameras. And it's like, you know what? It's a desert country. We're, 
be cool to shoot black and white film while we're over there. Mm. As soon as we got there, I instantly regretted it because the colors were so amazing, so beautiful and yeah. bright and vibrant. The the cloths and the dyes and everything, everywhere we went, like the most incredible colors I've ever seen. And that's kind of how, like, I get that same. I remember that when I see the trailers for the Black Panther movies because the colors are just so amazing in it. Um, and the masks and it, oh, I'm just like so blown away by what we've seen so far. And again, it looks like something completely different from all the other Marvel movies yeah. we've seen. Well, the, the, the whole, I, I don't know, we don't, I don't want to get too deep into this, but the whole colors popping off the screen in these Marvel movies is something they've been doing with everything, really, I guess, maybe since Doctor Strange. I, I know they did it a little bit in the first Guardians, but, I mean, the second Guardians, the colors were just bright and poppy, yeah. and, and and it really feels like it kind of started with Doctor Strange. Of course, it was again here in Thor, and you mentioned, and I noticed the same thing for for a movie where you would think, well, this is going to go back to a very muted color palette and and everything. It's like, they it's just it's it's glorious i'm glad to see andy circus being in there as claw mm-hmm. you know and it looks like he's going to be maybe moving well, into martin that. freeman in it yes um uh, yes you know, it's just uh just the whole cast looks fantastic uh so and then you know we get that and then we get infinity war and then we get ant-man and the wasp ant-man and the wasp who's filming like, us all next on year yeah yeah, it's gonna I, I, look. Marvel and just bringing Michelle Pfeiffer in to play uh, Janet. Janet. I didn't oh, know that. So good. That's great. I mean, the only other stunt casting they could have done that might have been a little bit better than that was Sharon Stone to play Janet, since Michael Douglas is Hank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no. I, I'll take Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh sure, oh sure. Michelle Pfeiffer is now one of those who has walked between both worlds. Yes, Catwoman and Janet Van Dyne a.k.a. the original Wasp. Well, my friend, uh, I thank you for sitting in and passing some corn with me this go-around. Take a couple-hour break, and we'll talk some Star Wars Rebels. There you go. And uh, to everyone else, thank you for joining us. If you want to jump in on the conversation, we invite you to do so by emailing us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. And uh, you can tweet at geekoutloud. Erish is at Darth underscore Duff. And you can tweet the entire Goloverse and follow the entire Goloverse by going to at Goloverse on Twitter. Don't forget our Goloverse Facebook group, The Guardians of the Goloverse, which you can find by simply going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Geekoutonline.com slash group. We'll take you right there. Join it. There's a couple of questions, kind of entry questions, to make sure that you're not a bot or some crazy person who just likes to join a bunch of groups. Answer those, and Teresa will uh, approve you or I. And, uh, and we're having a good time there. It, it has really been a bastion of safety and security for me uh, on an otherwise volatile social media platform. Uh, oh, I can change that real quick. Don't do that, Irish. Um, it's a happy place. Let's keep it that way. Uh, Tops, we thank Tops for their sponsorship. Don't forget the Fandango contest. If you want to win one of two uh, Fandango uh, passes or gift cards for $25 gift cards, Go to Twitter and tweet, I want to go to the movies with at Geek Out Loud, thanks to at Fandango. And uh, on the next episode, we'll do a random drawing from that, and then we'll have another way we'll give two others away. So stay with or us. You can can... just send Steve $25 along no, with the No, that's, that's not how it works. 
That's not how it works. You, we congratulations to Maui Mark on winning tonight in the chat. We'll get that right out to you. Thanks for sending me your email uh, for your mailing address and everything. I got that while we recorded Maui. I appreciate that. Uh, if you want to support the shows directly, you can go to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Don't forget the Amazon, Entertainment Earth, Think Geek links, all found, as well as those Fandango links, found at geekoutpodcast.com and geekoutonline.com. And uh, I think that wraps us up. I think we're done. I think that's it. I think, I think I'm through podcasting forever. Until next time. How about that? Erish, thank you again so much, my friend. Thanks, my brother. It's always, always good to have always you Always a pleasure. Always, always, always. Uh, for Air Shurn of Ice, I'm Steve Glosson. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. <laughs>